I want to welcome those of you online. You can be seated. And unless you want to stand, that's fine. I'm going to have you stand up again in a moment anyway. So, um, so uh, I wanted to, well, first of all, welcome uh, those of you that are online. We're so glad that you're joining us as well. Uh, so Thursday night, we uh, actually last Thursday started uh, the book of Lamentations, having completed the book of Jeremiah. But we're going to take a break from that. And we're going to have Pastor Bud Stonebreaker here. And both he and I are going to share the stage together and have a discussion about that which is on the prophetic horizon. So that'll be 7 p.m. on Thursday night. If you uh, want, you might want to make a note of it and make plans to attend. Really looking forward to it. So in the following week, of course, we'll resume our uh, study through Lamentations. I'm chuckling because those of you who were here Thursday night for Lamentations 1 know why I'm chuckling. Uh, what a book, right? I know I say that about every book, but wow. Anyway, who knew? Lamentations, just the. Anyway, so that's uh, Second Peter is the book we're in now. Wow, what a book, right? <laughs> we're actually going to start the last chapter of Second Peter. And our text is just going to be chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, just two verses. I think you'll see why here in a moment. So uh, for those of you that are able, I'll ask you to stand. If not, where you're seated is fine. But you can follow along as I read. The Apostle Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes, verse 1, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. <laughs> Let's pray, if you would please join with me. Oh Lord, thank you so much for your word. This time that we have, we just need for you now, though, Lord, by the Holy Spirit, as only you can to settle our hearts and focus our attention. We, we want to give you our undivided attention. We don't want to be distracted or have our minds wander, as they're so often prone to do. Lord, we don't want to miss anything that you have for us here in your Word today, and are looking to you to, by the Holy Spirit, teach us and speak to us and minister to us. Show us, Lord, what it is that you want us to see, and speak into our lives what it is that you want us to hear. And not just hear your word, but take heed to your word. So Lord, will you? We're asking you in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So what I want to talk with you about today is how it is, and also why it is, that God wants us in His will more than we even ourselves want to be in His will. Uh, never imagine that God is in heaven trying to play this uh, heavenly chess match with us, trying to keep us from figuring out what His will is. No, He wants us to not only know His will, but to be in His will, more than we even ourselves want to be in His will. And if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, we want to know what God's will is for our lives especially when we're faced with those decisions in our lives. God, what is your will? Never imagine God going, not telling. Yeah, <laughs> figure it out. What's the matter with you? No. He's always going to, and this is one of the things I'm learning in my walk with the Lord, is that God is always 
going to orchestrate the circumstances of my life and choreograph the steps in my life to create an environment that is conducive to me being in His will, walking according to His way. This is the way, walk ye in it. This is good between me and the Holy Spirit. And my spirit bears witness with His Spirit that this is God. This is God's will. This is the way. This is His will for me, His plan for me, and especially when it doesn't make any sense. That's usually a pretty good indication that it's God's will, because we're prone to think that God's will comes neatly packaged and will make perfect sense, and we're going to understand it. No, oftentimes God's will requires faith, that we step out in faith. And then God honors that faith because He's pleased by that faith, because as the writer of Hebrews says, without faith it is impossible to please God. I think what I'm wanting for us to do, myself included, is view today's study through the lens of a God who will do everything and stop at nothing to create this environment in my life so that I'm in His will for my life regardless of whether or not the circumstances in my life contradict it. Everything is in turmoil and chaos and, and adversity. You can be right smack in the middle of the trial of your life, and be right smack in the middle of God's will for your life. Ask the disciples. When Jesus sends them into the boat, onto the sea, across to the other side, to meet Him on the other side. And right there in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, they encounter this life and death perilous storm. And, and Jesus sent them into that knowingly. And here they are in the midst of this storm, <laughs> this trial, this storm in their lives, hanging on for dear life, and they're right in the middle of God's will for their life. I think we do err greatly when we misinterpret the circumstances in our lives, especially when adversity strikes and we're in those trials. Well, this must not be God's will. Actually, it probably is that you're in God's will. Yeah, but look at everything around me. That, that, yeah. I was going to bring up the Red Sea, my favorite of all accounts. Oh, I wish so much that God would always make His will what I call Red Sea clear. There was no question mark, you know, when that sea part. I think that's God's will that we go this way, you think? Dry ground, Egyptians over here. Yep, this is God's will. Let's go. I wish it was always like that, but sometimes it's not by sight. My flesh wants to walk by sight. I want to see it. But that's not faith. Faith says, no, it's not seeing is believing. That's what the flesh wants. Faith is believing is seeing. You believe by faith. And then God honors that. And God will reveal His will to you. He's at the ready to do so. And if you think about it, let's flip it around. Let's just say for purpose of discussion that He did not do that. Would that not be inconsistent with who God is? Is that not incompatible with the nature of God, the Word of God? God will not tempt me with evil. He cannot put me in a situation where I'm set up, or that's again conducive to my disobedience. That's not who God is. That's not how God is. It's the opposite that's true. It's impossible for God to orchestrate said circumstances and choreograph said steps in such a way that I'm set up for a fall, where I'm going to disobey what He's calling me and leading me and commanding me to do. 
I want to draw your attention to Romans 12, the first two verses. Uh, well-known passage. I remember many years ago when we were going through the book of Romans, I taught verses one and two. Um, and just, it was so bad. If you were here then, I'm so sorry. Um, you came back. Praise the Lord for that. But uh, I just, not, it wasn't that bad, I mean, but I just, it was one of those teachings where I was like, man, I didn't, no, there's so much more here. And so I, I retaught it again the next week, the same passage. It wasn't a part two. No, it was like a part one redo <laughs> the next week. And even then I walked away, drove home, go, Lord, I, what do I do now? Is there next week too on this? There's so much here just in these two verses. And you know them well. Listen to what the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit wrote to the church in Rome, verse 1, chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, you know what beseech means? I beg you, please. I'm begging you, please, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So for the remainder of our time together today, I'm going to reteach Romans 12, 1 and 2. <laughs> no, I'm not. Interesting. You want to prove what God's will is? Notice you're going to prove what God's will is, what God's good will is, what God's acceptable will is, and infinitely more important, what God's perfect will is, meaning there's nothing you can do to improve it. You can prove it. I, I can prove that I'm in God's will. This is good. This is acceptable. And this is perfect. And I can prove that it's the will of God. How are you going to do that? Oh, uh, verses 1 in the first part of verse 2. Presenting my body as a living sacrifice. There's a problem right there. I'm kicking, fighting, biting, scratching, going to that altar. A living sacrifice? That means I'm still alive to fight it. I mean, dead sacrifices, uh, no problem. Living sacrifice, problem. That's number one. Number two, holy, acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service. And uh, do not, as one said, I think so aptly, let the world press you into its mold. Don't conform. Don't comply to the world. That's not God's will for you. But instead, and I love this about the Word of God and the God of the Word, He never says, don't do something without also saying, do this instead. Flee unrighteousness, but flee, or but pursue righteousness instead. And here's the list. You know, as kids, when you're trying to get something out of your kids' hands and they're hanging on to it real tight and everything, and, and you give them something instead that's better. Get rid of that. Take this. Yeah. So don't be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed. Metamorphosis, where we get our English word from the original Greek, caterpillar. Oh, you've heard those stories, right? The, the caterpillar is in the, the uh, cocoon, right? They call it a cocoon. Yeah, been a long week. Just that's what it is, right? So they're struggling. And, but it's a metamorphosis into a butterfly. It's, it's a metamorphosis, a transformation. They're transformed from a caterpillar to a butterfly. That's what Paul is saying. We're transformed. It's a 
transformation. Well, wait a minute. How am I going to have that transformation? First, if you're not conformed to this world, but instead transformed by, listen, the renewing of your mind. Peter's about to echo that here in just a moment. Enter today's text, where Peter, in this his last letter, with his parting words, pours out his heart. I mean, <laughs> he is so passionate about warning these Christians at that time concerning the paramount importance of remembering. It's almost like, don't forget to remember and remember not to forget, because we forget. And that was the point. And we saw this at the beginning of his second letter, where he first states his purpose for writing the letters, which he also does here, back in chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. So listen to how many times he says this, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory, as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. He's referring back to prior to the crucifixion, when Jesus told him how he was going to die. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. It's a, a matter of being reminded, having our memories refreshed in our minds. So the difference between what he wrote in chapter 1 and what he's writing here in chapter 3 is that he's focusing in on two specific matters, namely, as it relates to purity and obedience. Purity and obedience, both of which prove God's perfect will for our lives. And that's what we're going to look at today, specifically pure thoughts in our minds, and obedient actions in our lives. Verse 1, let's talk about purity, purity of thoughts. What Peter is emphasizing here is that the purpose of both letters was to serve as reminders, by the way, written reminders, so they would have a written record of all that he had to say. And by the way, if there was anyone that you would want to hear parting words from, it would be someone like the Apostle Peter, and the many others like him. Isn't it interesting when you're, you know your time is short? I mean, you get real, real quick. And it's at that moment where you know you don't have much time. Man, I, I, I need to tell you some things before I go. And you better be all ears. And this is what the Apostle Peter is going to say with his parting words. Yeah, you need to be reminded. I know you know this. This is nothing new. But you need to be reminded. Reminded of, of what? Well, that's the purpose of my letters, was to stimulate. Interesting word. It carries with it the idea of stirring up or waking up to something which in this case is wholesome thinking, and a pure mind, a renewed mind. And this actually has some very interesting neurological dynamics associated with it, because we have these pathways in our brains. Repeated behavior creates this addictive behavior. And when there's a renewing of your mind with the Word of God, it's, it's kind of like this. It's not, <laughs> we talked a lot about this as of late, but it's not brainwashing. 
It's washing your brain. That's not a play on words. It's a washing of your mind with the water of God's Word. I mean, we're out in the world and the world's brainwashing us. Every time you turn on that thing that's mounted to your wall, it's brainwashing you. It's programming you. That's why they call it programs. Programming, programming, program. Channels, they're channeling. Talked about that in the update. Well, am I conforming to that? That's the world. And God's saying, don't do that. Don't let the world do that. Don't let the world press you in, program you, brainwash you. Instead, my will for you is that you renew your mind. It's a new way of thinking. It's a cleansing of your mind. It's a purifying of your mind. In other words, it's God's Word that stimulates. I've been stimulated, stirred up, and woken up to this renewing of my mind, which again, in turn proves God's acceptable and perfect will. Uh, who? To? Me and you. But if, if there's anything that I need assurance of, is that I'm walking according to God's way, according to God's will. And, and this is the evidence that I need. I, I want to be able to prove it to myself. How am I going to prove it to myself? Because there's been a renewing that has taken place and a transformation that is taking place. And that's what proves it. And by the way, I, uh, I just thought of this, I think it's the Holy Spirit. Uh, just to share a personal example, when my wife and I first uh, kind of basically started all over and came here, total step of faith. Um, we, we, by faith, I believed it was God's will that we come here and start this church. But everything around me was saying, uh-uh. Example, well, of course you're called to Hawaii. Here am I, Lord, send me. <laughs> really? Of course you're called. You know, that, that, that's not the Lord, that's your flesh. True story, I, uh, my, uh, I had a board member in my church on the mainland. And when I announced to them that, uh, you know, I believe that God was calling me to uh, come to Oahu and start this church. One of my board members, true story, said, I, I don't think that's God's will. I don't think you heard God right. You, you misspelled it. It's not Oahu, it's Ohio. <laughs> now, <laughs> to which I responded, get thee behind me, Satan. Um, <laughs> no, I did I say that? I might have. But interesting, we have online members from, of all places, Ohio uh, today. Uh, by the way, we welcome, we, we love you. And no, I wasn't called to Ohio to start a church. I think this was God's will. But here's where I'm going with this. So the enemy's right there just, I mean, planting seeds of doubt. You, that wasn't God's will. You just wanted to bring your Kailua girl back to Kailua. You just wanted to, you wanted to get out of the snow and 40 degrees below zero and plowing your long, I had the longest driveway on the block. Yeah, that's, that's what this is about. You, know, you just want to wear slippers and shorts instead of, <laughs> and the enemy was right there. Well, I needed some evidence, man. I needed some proof. No, this is God's will. How was, how was I going to prove it? to myself, because <laughs> I, let's be honest, when the enemy's there planting seeds of doubt, and it's met with supple soil in our minds, and it's allowed to germinate and sprout that doubt, oh man, he, <laughs> he just has a heyday. And he'll take you down that doubt road as far as you'll let him take you. And the next thing you're knowing, going, I didn't hear God. This wasn't me. I mean, this wasn't you, Lord. This was me. And oh, Lord. And 
disaster. But if at the root I've got proof this is God's will, then from the root comes the fruit. I, I can prove this is God's will. That's, and this, this is how. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. This is a, actually a life verse for me. I've shared this before uh, as a professional worrier. I mean, I have a PhD in anxiety. And uh, so this passage has really, God has used it over the years in my life to give me victory in this area. Uh, again, you probably know this well, verse 6, Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition or supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God from the God of peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, verse 8, and this is very important. Whatever is true, look at this list. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. When I was young, I, uh, my boss used to have a saying. He said, you got stinking thinking, and you need to check up from the neck up. I don't know who he stole it from, but it's pretty good. It's actually pretty accurate. Because is it not true that that's where the battleground is, is in the mind? And, and as a, as the, the proverb says, as a man thinketh in his heart. I don't think in my heart, I feel. No. Ah, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We become what we think. And this is what Paul is saying here. You, you want to worry about no thing, pray about everything, and thank God for anything. And by the way, the word think comes from the word thank. And the more you think about it, the more you realize you got a lot to be thankful for. That's what he's saying here. Set your mind on Him. Be, you know, it's interesting, and i got to be careful here, because, um, well, my wife's not here, so I don't have to be that careful. <laughs> when it comes to health, okay, all right, health. Can we talk? So, you know, some people are, I, I, listen, I got to be, care, again, careful, maybe. I don't want to sound, you know, insensitive to those of you that are health conscious. Um, but we're, yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's a good thing. I wish I was like that, as you can tell. But um, uh, we're so careful about what we allow into our bodies but not our minds. Huh. What, what am I allowing into my mind? That's impure. That's unrighteous. That's not noble. That's unspiritual. That's unholy. That's ungodly. That's not right. It's unrighteousness. I can go down the whole list. Whatever things are are noble and praiseworthy and pure and lovely and excellent. Think on those things. Be careful what you allow in your mind. And again, the enemy's right there putting those thoughts in your mind. I mean, I, well, anyway, I could write a whole book on that, uh, but I won't. They're good ones too, man. I tell you, they're, they're and I'm like, really? He comes in and he's going, well, you know, what about if this happens? <gasps> I never thought about that. What if, what if, what if, and what about, and what about, and what about it? Next thing I know, I'm like, God, I'm doubting God. Exactly what He wanted. And I'm, and I'm, I'm letting it kind of roll around my mind. My mind's going, to, as we say, a million miles an hour in the wrong direction. And the next thing you know, I'm so far down this road, I'm doing the opposite. I'm worrying about everything, because I'm not thanking God for anything. 
And I'm certainly <laughs> praying for nothing. I got it backwards. This is God's will. This is how you renew your mind with the Word of God. I'll add to that worship music if it has the Word of God. You know, the best worship and praise music is the Word of God. That's what the whole book of Psalms is. They're songs. They're actually songs. I'll tell you, the way the brain is wired, the, we were wired for music, by the way, which, by the way, is why for all of eternity we're going to be praising God, worshiping before the throne, singing. <laughs> They've done studies on the impact that music has on the brain. And that's another thing the enemy knows about. But it, it is a cleansing, a purifying of our minds, a renewing of our minds. And then it's not long before that transformation takes place. And then when we think about such things, we're doing so through the lens of God's Word. God's Word now has already done its work of renewing my mind and transforming my life. Purity of thought, the thought life what we allow into our minds, and it will result in the actions. Doubtless you've heard that saying. You sow a thought, you reap an action. And that is so true. And this is what Peter is talking about and wanting to remind us about. You know, sometimes we, we've talked about this before, there's a disconnect that takes place sadly, <laughs> and to our own peril, by the way. And what I mean by disconnect is, we'll, we'll read a passage of Scripture like this, and we'll read right past it. I mean, come on, first two verses, this is the introduction. Let's get to the meat of the thing. Good. By the way, next week, verse 3, he's going to talk about my favorite topic, <laughs> the Lord's return. Yeah. Can't wait. Next week. Of course, that's if the rapture doesn't happen before next week, which is fine too. But, uh, you, you, but so we're prone to want to rush through verse 1 and 2 to get to verse 3. Well, not so fast. This is here for a reason. And, and the disconnect comes in when, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. No, I know you know. Peter says, I, I know you know this. Well, yeah, then why are, why are you telling? Because you need to be reminded. I need to be reminded. Yeah, you forgot. I know, I forgot already. I, I, I did, did, did. This, oh, it's so elementary. Really, then we need to go back to basics and remember. It's a reminding of, it's a going back to the foundational principles of those things that we tend to disconnect ourselves from as we grow in the Lord. Oh, that's for babes in Christ. Really? Listen, I could use a bottle about right now. <laughs> I mean, wah, wah, wah. Uh, fine. <laughs> I, I, I need this. In fact, it could be argued that I need this more than anybody. Yeah, but you're the pastor. I know. That's why. We forget, we disconnect ourselves from the foundational principles, the fundamental truths, and we forget them. And this is Peter saying, no, you need to be reminded. You need to, I need to, by the Holy Spirit, refresh your memory. You know what that means? That means that your memory needs to be refreshed. I know that's deeply profound. You know how we say when we're, when we see somebody, I do this all the time because I'm so bad with names. I forget my own name sometimes. I know it's initials. But uh, somebody, you know, oh, hey, refresh your memory. What was your name? And then they tell you, you know, for the 18th time what their <laughs> name is, because you forgot, you forgot their name. And we do that with the Word of God. We forget, and we need to be reminded. And remind, renew mind, they go together. Are you ready to talk about obedience? Verse 2. Here, Peter 
wants us to recall the words, remember the words of the Old Testament prophets and the Lord's command through the New Testament apostles. Did you catch that? So he's elevating to the same level the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles. And notice the delineation, the words of the Old Testament prophets, but he doesn't say the words of the New Testament apostles. He says the commands. And we wanted to say commands. And I'll explain why we wanted to say commands. I know we've talked about this before, but I don't think we can talk about this enough. And it's a good reminder <laughs> to remind us of how and why we actually want God's will to be a command. First, John says the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. Jesus said, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden and weary, and I will give you rest for your soul. In other words, God's commands are not going to be a burdensome, weighty thing like, oh, God's commanded me to do this. Oh. And we, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You can tell, I know this too well. Oh, the, the Lord, the command of the Lord. Oh, no, it should be like this. The command of the Lord. It's a command. Yes. What's the matter with you? I'll tell you what's the matter with me. See, God's commands are God's enablings. God will never command us to do anything that He will not also enable us by the power of the Holy Spirit to do. He can't not. That's inconsistent again with who He is. He, he wants us to be obedient to Him. He wants us in His will. And He's going to do everything He can to create that environment again, so that we're, we're obedient to His commands. So God, God commands us to do something, and here's the Holy Spirit going, okay, you ready? Let's do this. I can't do this. I know you can't. I can't. That's the three-step program. I mean, no disrespect. You know what the three steps are? Number one, realize I can't. Step number two, realize He can. Step number three, wait for it, let Him. Let the Holy Spirit umpire rule in your life. Let the Holy Spirit live in and through you instead of you a holy life. Holy Spirit, holy life. So we've got a command here. How am I going to obey this command? Holy Spirit, I'm on it. You mean uh, that's why you want it to be a command? Yeah. How about, I'm thinking two places. First, the Church of Philadelphia, Revelation chapter 3. Jesus says, John write, because you have kept my command to endure patiently. What? You mean you commanded that? It was a commandment that they endure patiently, and they were obedient to that commandment to endure patiently? Yeah, how? Because it was a commandment. I thought that was a bad thing. No, it's a good thing, because when it's a commandment, it rises to the level of God empowering you to obey the commandment. I want it to be a commandment. I'm in trouble if it's not a commandment, because I'm guaranteed and assured that if it's a commandment, I've got the Holy Spirit empowering me to be obedient to the command. I hope I'm not talking in circles. Am I? Don't tell me if I am. <laughs> Did you get that? I sure hope so, because that's the best I got. God's will, God's calling, and God's commands are also God's enablings. He facilitates, fosters our obedience. We were talking about this on Thursday night in Lamentations chapter 1. 
Oh, it's, it's horrific. It's poetic. It's graphic. But it's horrific because of Judah's sin. And it's a lamenting and a mourning over the consequences of that sin, disobeying God. And it's, it, it's a hard, but you know, it is good. Because you see what sin causes. And you can flip it around. And if that's what sin causes, what does obedience do? The question is asked, and we asked it on Thursday night. And I ask it of myself, as I always do. But I want you to think this through. What is the one thing that we can give God that He doesn't already have? I mean, you know how we say, what do you get the person that's got everything? I mean, this is God. What is He? He's got everything. He knows everything. He's everywhere, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. The one thing He does not necessarily have, obedience. My obedience. Because I have self-will. He's not going to force His will on me. He's not going to force me to be obedient. It's of my own volition. I choose to obey. Now I make the decision, and it is a decision in the mind, I'm going to obey the command of the Lord, and then the Holy Spirit activates and empowers me to obey the command that I have decided to obey. See again, He's not going to force me. Once I make up my mind or change my mind, He changes my heart. He transforms my life. But He's at the ready on standby for me to make that decision. And once I do, whew, He rushes in. So I want it to be a command, the command to endure patiently. That's a commandment. And the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. You know, I, this is a litmus test for me, just real quick on this. I always know that I've heard truth when I'm freed. And conversely, I know that it's false when I'm weighed down and burdened. Let me explain. The truth will set you free, and whom the Son has set free is free indeed, right? So, and Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Uh, I'm not going to lay a heavy trip on you, man. That was totally from the 70s and 80s, but a little flashback there for you that I remembered, remembered. Um, but uh, so he, he, here I am with this, you know, sort of a, 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 a dilemma. And I, I'm dealing with this, you know, sh struggle back and forth. And I've, I've got the Holy Spirit, and there's a conviction, not a, not a condemnation. And if someone tells me something or lays a heavy trip on me, and I'm all weighed down and burdened, I know that's not the Lord, because the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. And conversely, when someone shares truth with me, and there's a freedom and a peace that ensues, that's the Lord because the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. So purity and obedience together, roommates together. This is a command. We're commanded to be holy as He is holy, pure in our thoughts, obedient to His command in our actions. Let me say it like this. God will not call us or command us to do anything that He will not also empower us by the Holy Spirit to do. If you're seeking God's will for your life, and you're looking at this thing, and the Holy Spirit's not bearing witness with you, and it's just there's, there's no peace. There's, there's, no, there's no freedom. You don't, you don't sense the Holy Spirit empowering you in this direction. Pretty good indication that it's not the will of God. 
It's not the wisdom of God. James gives us a, a perfect template by which to, to gauge the, have a grid for whether it's God's will or not, the wisdom from above. First, it's pure. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, then easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without hypocrisy or partiality, bearing fruit unto righteousness. That's the template, the grid by which to measure whether or not this is God's will. First and foremost, if it's impure, guess what? It's not God's will. And, And God will never go against His Word. I know we talked about this last week, but when someone comes up to you, please be discerning. And they say to you, God told me. Wow. He didn't tell me that. And then you want to know what God told them. It's like, wow, God showed me. Whoa, I'm not worthy, you know. What did He show you? What did He tell you? He told me to live together with my boyfriend outside of marriage. Yeah. No, he didn't tell you that. That's not God's will, because that's not God's Word. It goes contrary to God's Word. It's um, four legs on the table of God's will, as I like to explain it. First of all, it has to be God's Word, God's peace, God's providence, and God's confirmation. Let me expound on that. First and foremost, you want to know if it's God's will, is it compatible and consistent with God's Word? Right there you can weed out a lot of them. (laughs) In fact, probably in some cases 99% of them. Uh, If it goes contrary to the Word of God, it's not the will of God. That should be a firm grasp of the obvious, right? Okay, number one. Number two, the peace of God. We just got done reading it in Philippians 4, 6 through 8. I love how Paul, by the Holy Spirit, explains it, because he says that the peace of God, from the God of peace, that's not a play on words, will keep your hearts and minds with the peace that transcends. Oh, there's another word. So we got transformation and transcending. That's too much, Pastor. That's enough for one day, right? Transcends. You know what that means? This peace of God, it goes over your head. It, 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 it defies human understanding. It transcends human understanding. Because your mind is going, no, 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 no. No, 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 I can't have peace. It's not logical. Uh, mind, uh, take a nap. Let's go right to the heart of the matter. Because the mind's going to fight you. Because the mind's going to try to, to reason logically. Ah, there's, no, there's no peace here. Do you see what's happening? No, the, the, this is the peace of God. You're, you're, you're mistaken. You're misunderstanding. This is the peace of God. This is the peace that Jesus said, I come to give you. Not as the world gives you. See, the world gives you peace predicated upon what's going on in your life. How's that working out for you? If, if I only had peace, whenever things were going good, I would have peace probably a minute and a half every year, as is all. Because if it's predicated on that, if it's tethered to that, no, this peace surpasses that, transcends that. It's not predicated upon that. It's not contingent upon that. Things can just be falling apart all around you, and you can still have the peace of God. And it keeps your heart in check. And your mind tells your mind, settle down, <laughs> quiet down. What was that word? That I'm having a, a, a school fl- uh, flashback. Um, simmer down. That was it. Ah, oh, man, I heard that so many. Simmer down. I can't. They have cl- clinical terms for this condition. I can't. Simmer down. Simmer down. No, I, I can't simmer down. Well, b- but that's what the Holy Spirit does just settles your heart, quiets your mind with this peace, this supernatural peace that is not contingent upon what's going on in your life. 
Be of good cheer, cheer up. For in this world you will have trouble. I so wish Jesus didn't say that in Matthew 16, 33. I, I wish He would have said something like, you know, it's a pretty good chance that you might experience just a little bit of trouble in this. I know He says will. Look it up in the original. It's worse. It's like you absolutely will <laughs> experience tribulation, trials, trouble in this world. But I want you to cheer up. Why? Because I have overcome the world. And I'm going to give you this peace that overcomes the world. Yeah, you're being pressed and conformed into this world stop. I want to transform you. I want to transcend that. And I can do that for you instead of you by the Holy Spirit. Stop trying to do it in the, your own strength. Some of us are too strong for the Lord. You ever thought of it like that? You know, we, we, we always pray, God, give me strength. I almost wonder sometimes if God's like, that. that's the problem, J.D. You're too strong in your own strength. Isn't, isn't that what the Apostle Paul said? I, I boast when I'm weak, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. What's he talking about? He's talking about his own strength. This is a strong guy. But his own strength? No, I'm going to boast not in my strength, because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Why are you strong, Paul? Because I could do all things through Christ, who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. It's in His strength, in the power of the Holy Spirit. I think the Christian to be pitied the most is the Christian that's trying to figure it out in the energy of their own flesh. And you'll, you'll never, it's unattainable. It's unattainable. It's not tenable. It's certainly not sustainable. So again, I, I know it's the Holy Spirit. I know it's the Lord's will when there's just a piece about it. Number two. Number three, the uh, providence. This is where God arranges the circumstances, opens the door, shuts the door. Sometimes. I think it was Oswald Chambers, classic. So, you know, we're waiting for God to you know, reveal His will and open up a door. You know how we say, we got this Christianese down. I'm, you know, God's opening up a door. Well, what if God doesn't want to use a door? What if He wants to use a window? Well, I wasn't thinking about that. Well, He's God. He can do whatever He wants. You know, we, we, we kind of put God into the finite understanding of our own flesh, and we, we kind of, you know, predict how He's going to do it. And God's like, I don't want to do it like that. I'm God. I can do whatever I want. Okay, God. So I, I'm going to use a different window this time. I'm not even going to use a door. I'm going to open up a window. You don't even know the window's there. You weren't even looking at the window. I'm going to open up the window. That's my will. He can do whatever He wants. So He, he opens up doors, windows. Let's change it to windows. I like windows better. Not related to Microsoft. That would absolutely not be. But no, it's a, it's a window. God's going to open up windows. He's going he's to, again, choreograph the steps. He, he's going to arrange everything, those divine appointments, the divine providence. And you know it's God, because when He does it, it's unmistakably Him. And, and He does it in such a fashion that you're not scratching your head going, huh, I wonder if that was God. There's no way that that was not God. The only way that happened is because God opened up that. In fact, God put the window in there in the first place. It has to be God. It's providence. He provides. He, he starts opening things up and shutting things down that He doesn't want you to go in. Again, I think of the Philadelphia church. He says to them, when I open a door, you guys, no man's going to shut it. And when I shut a door, ain't no man going to open it. That's a very loose paraphrase, but you get the point. The providence of God. So we've got the Word of God, the peace of God, the providence of God. And number four, that fourth leg on the table is the confirmation. Now watch this. Oftentimes this will come from a brother or sister in Christ who really loves you and cares about you. And it's not <laughs> always, in fact, uh, from pulpit to pew, as it were. But it's between you and you. 
the ministry that takes place in this place, <laughs> after I'm finally done, uh, sometimes God will just have that word fitly spoken. And it's the Holy Spirit, because there's no way that brother or sister knew what was going on. And they'll come up to you, and it, it might look something like this, or sound something like this. Hey, uh, I'll use myself as an example. Take one for the team here again. Uh, JD, hey, you know, I, I just want to encourage you. You do? Yeah. Man, I could always use encouragement. Yeah. In fact, um, you know, the Lord put you on my heart. He did. Yeah. So I was praying for you. You prayed for me. Yeah. And God gave me a, a verse. A verse came to mind. And they quote the verse that you just got done meditating on. Oh, come on. I mean, it's been said, that Turkish proverb, when one man calls you a donkey, pay no attention. When two men call you a donkey, get a saddle. <laughs> you should see how many saddles I have. <laughs> Let everything be established in the presence of two or more witnesses. Here's that confirmation. And they had no idea. The Holy Spirit did. And they come to you and they say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. By the way, I have a, I have a word for you. And they quote that verse. You go, Lord, Oh, you're so good. You're so good. Oh, Lord, thank you. Con confirmation. Confirmation. That is confirmed now. That's all I needed to hear. I got it. This is your will, Lord. This is your will. God's commands come packaged with God's power to obey His commands. That's why you and I should want it to be a command, because it comes packaged with the power of the Holy Spirit to obey. You're struggling with a decision? I really want to encourage you. God wants you in His will, more than you could ever yourself want to be in His will. And He's already working behind the scenes to get you there. So you just wait on Him, trust in Him. And, and one thing on that, this is important. We always say, you wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. That's good. But what about when the Lord is waiting on you? Ooh. Did I just step on a toe or two? I know I stepped on mine. <laughs> you know, here we, I'm waiting on the Lord. Really? Lord's up there going, I've been waiting on you this whole time. Let's get this show on the road. What's the matter with you? You keep dragging your feet. I think about Moses. He's praying. You know, he's just, you know, crying out to God. And God's like, stop praying. Get moving. No, for real. Sometimes we, and we hide under that door. I'm praying about it. You've been praying about it for five years, man. The Lord's going, come on already. I, I already answered that prayer five years ago. Let's go. I've been waiting this whole time. Okay. Well, I feel better with that uh, closing. Should we end it there? Capono, come on up. Why don't you stand up? You got to love these seamless, you know, closes. <laughs> you be encouraged. You're seeking God's will. He's <laughs> He's going to show you His will. Father in heaven, thank You. <laughs> we certainly, Lord, needed to be reminded of this. We, we need this reminder. Lord, thank You for Peter's reminder for us concerning this. Lord, we want to be found faithful obedient, walking in purity and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, this is your command. And we want to obey your command. And Lord, we want to, and we make this decision to rely on the Holy Spirit to empower us to obey because absent the Holy Spirit empowering us, there's no way 
we can obey. So Lord, let this maybe be a a turning point, a reference point for some today, especially those struggling in this area. Just walking in defeat, Lord, I just, I pray for that victorious transformation, metamorphosis to take place. That, Lord, there would be this renewing, purifying of our minds and obedience in our lives, all by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the how of the Holy Spirit to do the what of your holy word as us, your holy people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.